0: You're listening to Pastor Jesse Miller of City Lights Church. We are this morning in the final chapter of Mark, um, which is fitting for this morning, Resurrection Sunday. It's where we see Christ resurrected. Mark chapter 16, if you turn in your Bibles, um, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. That's our gift to you. Um, You can have that, um, and uh, everybody should have a Bible. There's no no reason that you would not have your own Bible. If you just have a large collection of Bibles and you want to add one more to your collection, please leave that here because somebody else could use it. But uh, that is a gift to you if you don't have one. We also have it on the screen so you can read along. Uh, Matthew or Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Solomon, brought spices so that they might go to anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. That's kind of an interesting little sign. It was very large. It was a big stone. There you go. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and, and, and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Verse 9. That when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him. And as they mourned and wept, and when they had heard that he was alive and, that, and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. After these things, he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country. They went back and told the rest, but they did not believe them. Afterwards, he appeared to the, ele- uh, the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of hearts. Because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany, accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, they will drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he would spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And, he went, and they went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So here we have these last few weeks we've been talking about the crucifixion, we've been talking about Holy Week, uh, the last moments of Jesus' ministry, the persecution on the cross, And what we should get out of those final moments of the cross. Last week we spoke about the filth of the cross. And how it was on the cross that he took our filth, he took humanity's filth, he took our sin and our shame, and he bore it upon himself. He took it all and he forgave it all. And then also at the cross we see that there was this moment where he cries out because he feels the separation from God. Jesus, who was perfect, never felt separation from God. Because there was no sin to distance him. God, a holy God, cannot associate with sin because God's perfectly holy and sin is not. So it's the opposite of his character. God could not be with it. So what Jesus did in that moment, he took our separation on himself for us. This morning here we find ourselves with the good news of what happened the good news of Easter, the good news of of this time in in our church calendar where we reflect on what Christ has done. This is is what makes the gospel the gospel. This is what makes it all finished, it all ready for us. Do you ever, um, as we look at this passage this morning, do you ever show up to an event, a party, um, or school, or somewhere where you're completely unprepared? Like you had one thing in mind, and you got there and it's like, Oh, this wasn't a costume party. Sorry, I shouldn't have dressed up like a clown today. Like, you ever had that moment in your life? Like, I remember as a kid, I, I, I was like a very, intro, I was an introverted kid. So public speaking was not my thing, but God somehow has brought me here today. But I remember one of the most embarrassing things for me was when it was, we, I was in a public school, or not public school, a private school, and we had uniforms. Um, the public schools in that area did not have uniforms. But there were these special days where you could wear a certain color or you could wear casual day. You could be casual, which did not mean pajamas, okay? People in Walmart think that's what casual means. It does not mean pajamas. But I would go to school and completely forget that it was casual day. And I would be the only one in, like, my polo shirt and my khaki pants and my, you know, my husky pants because they were were big uh, and I was big. But I would be the only one sitting there, like, and I would feel awkward all day, and I would get all day long. You didn't know it was a casual day? No, I did not know it was a casual day. Stop asking. You ever been that where you like show up expecting one thing and it's not what you expect? Here in this passage at the beginning, we have Mary, the Mary's, coming to, to, to greet, not to greet Jesus, but to find his body and remember it. Basically, it's like laying flowers at a funeral. They come to remember what was. They come with their spices because now that the the Sabbath was over, they could come, they could do work. They came and they were ready to lay spices on the body to celebrate who he was, a life that had been. They were basically coming for part of the funeral, part of the memorial service, part of of a memory of what Jesus was in their life. So they get there, and they're ready for mourning. They're ready for reflection, and all of a sudden, everything's different. What, what they were planning on doing, everything had to change. See, this morning, I, I, wanna, I want us to look and examine what does it mean to understand the resurrected life. I believe, and like Jimmy spoke about, and like we spoke about earlier, that you and I are raised with Christ now resurrection isn't just about jesus's resurrection it's about our spiritual resurrection and i want us to examine what does it mean to have a resurrected life see before resurrection events were just something that we can remember but what after this happened it changed everything let me explain see the only the only change that comes from a memorial is the absence of the one that you loved correct there's no real change. I mean, there's just missing them or th- remembering the things that they did. Correct? So we think about memorials, we think about funerals. They can't change anything in the future. They can't change anything in the present. They can o- we can only reflect on what they've already done. And we can also grieve over what we've lost. But after resurrection, what, what do we see happen here? It says that they left trembling and astonished they were afraid, and then we see another example of this, of this becoming alive in Mary, and all of a sudden they have to tell, and people don't believe. They leave after the resurrection, no more, with no longer mourning and a memorial, no longer grieving, but on a mission and in awe and in wonder. Their lives have been completely, their, their minds have just been blown because they expected to see a body, and now they see an angel. And then they encounter Christ. And now they're trembling, they're astonished. What happens when, after resurrection, after we realize that Christ is real, that what he did on the cross, what he came, when he came out of the grave, what does that really mean for me? When I, really encapture, or, uh, when I really encounter the risen Savior Jesus, I have to have a moment where I'm no longer remembering something that happened historically, but something happens in me where now I'm filled with hope. Now I'm filled with mission, now I'm filled with a sense of awe and wonder at a risen Savior. That's what happens with them. They come out of this situation where they realize this really happened, so they're, kind of, they're, they're astonished. They're trembling. They're overwhelmed. And now they're on mission. Look at verse 15. We're going to read verse 15 through 20 again real quick. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up servants with their hands. They will drink any deadly poison, and it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, after he had spoken these things and was taken up to heaven, sat down beside at the right hand of God, they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. They were on mission. Once they, even the doubting disciples who Jesus rebuked, why didn't you believe when they said? When he appeared to them, they were filled with awe and wonder, and then they went on mission. They were no longer remembering an event that once happened with mourning. They were no longer looking for herbs and spices to lay at the tomb and remember something and, and it's be like us going to a grave every year with flowers and laying it down, remembering who he was. I feel like in a lot of senses, not just the church, but society as a whole, we view Easter as a memorial instead of something that really took place for us to live from. We come to Easter with this, let's remember the, the day that Jesus died and was rose again. Let's think about that. Yeah, we thank you. And here's our little spiritual flowers. We, we come to this with no real sense of mission afterwards. No sense of life change, no sense of awe, no sense of trembling. See, when we encounter the resurrected life of Christ and, and realize what that means for us personally, there is a new way of life that we have to live. Imagine for a moment, and this is, this is kind of a ridiculous example, but it's what came to my mind. Imagine for a moment that you have a man who's very, he's very big in history, very, very big on, on uh, studying history. And so he, he visits the Civil War Museum, and he studies it, and he, he reads, and he's able to recite the Gettysburg Address and the Emancipation Proclamation. He remembers, and he's thankful that that event in history, and all these monuments, my wife and I are from Gettysburg, so we know all about the monuments everywhere. The entire town is, is history in the summer, and then, Nothing in the winter, except maybe some ghost tours, which are ridiculous. By the way, we n- never saw ghosts there, we lived there for our, our, most of our lives, so don't waste your money. But like, there's, so this man comes, and he studies this, and he's thankful for this moment. He thank, he's thankful for the Emancipation Proclamation, and for the Gettysburg Address, that says, all men are created equal. And, and, and understanding this, he's very thankful, and he says, wow, what a great moment in history. Then he returns home and he opens up the garage and he goes and starts to abuse and torture his slaves that he has in his garage. That's an absolutely ridiculous analogy, isn't it? But what I think happens is sometimes we see these events and we don't live the life that we're supposed to live after that. The Civil War was important. Gettysburg was important. The Emancipation Proclamation was important not because they happened, but because there was a change of life and behavior afterwards. No longer is that anything even remotely acceptable. No longer is that a part of our of our American culture. It's supp- not supposed to be anyway. All eyes have been opened that slavery and racism and prejudice are wrong. But if a man looks at that and says, wow, that's interesting, but I'm going to not change my life. I'm going to continue to hold on to my prejudice, continue to hold, even though I think that's an important moment. See how ridiculous that is? I think the same thing happens across the world with Easter. Well, we should go to church. It's Easter. Let's think about Jesus. But then we don't live a, a resurrected life. We don't experience what he came for, for you and I to have life and joy abundantly in him, to know him. Jesus, I I, I said this a few weeks ago, Jesus' last moments there in the garden, when he's in the garden there, he's grieved and he weeps drops of blood. And it's not because he doesn't want physical pain, but because he recognizes that bearing the sins of the world separates him from the Father. That's the worst thing imaginable. That is hell. Separation from the Father is hell. Pastor Jared said here before, if heaven doesn't have Jesus, I don't want to be there. We were created for the presence of God. And if we don't view Easter and Resurrection Sunday as that moment that we are now given the presence of God in our lives, that now we live a life resurrected, no longer under the curse of sin, but alive in Christ, then we've completely missed the point of it. Do you guys understand what I'm saying this morning? or may I throw you off with that analogy? You have to understand, it's not just a memorial. Romans 6, starting in verse 3, if we have that there. It says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ... And, Jesus, were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The resurrection is important, not just because it blew Mary's mind, but because it gives us a new life, it gives us a new hope, it gives us a new purpose, it gives us a new mission. And if we don't pick that up, if we don't carry the cross and follow after him, we don't understand the newness of life that resurrection, that Easter Sunday is all about. We don't, we don't get it. There's a, a quote that I, I want to read in one of his messages. Um, theologian N.T. Wright says this, and I find it absolutely right on. Um, after, he says this, After 40 days of Lenten fast and three days of serious concentration on the meaning of the cross... We have precisely one morning of Easter festivities, and then people disappear exhausted by the the rigors of Holy Week. The clergy go on holiday, and the only celebration that's left is eating up the remains of the chocolate Easter eggs. No, we should make Easter a 40-day celebration. If Lent is, is that long, Easter should be at least that long, all the way to the Ascension, and we should meet regularly for Easter parties. We should drink champagne at breakfast. We should renew baptismal vows with splashing water all over the place. We should sing and dance and blow trumpets and put our banners in the streets. We should invite the homeless people into, par- into our parties. We should go around town doing random acts of generosity and celebration. We should be doing things that make our sober and serious neighbors say, what is the meaning of this outrageous party? He says, we've built this culture, we've built this, this thing around Easter that we have Lent, we have our Ash Wednesday, we have our Monday, Thursday, we have our Good Friday. We have all these things going up to it. But then when we actually get together to celebrate the resurrection, a life changed, we have one message, one service, and we eat a ham and we eat some chocolate. That's the thing that we should celebrate for months and months. That's the thing that we should live out of. That's the thing that our neighbors and our friends should go. Wow, they're really taking this thing seriously. They really are celebrating resurrection. Last night I, I had to laugh. I, I had to go and buy a new belt. My old one broke for for reasons that you can figure out. <laughs> I'm trying. So I went out. I uh, went to TJ Maxx and I had to, I had to buy a belt last night. And it's fu- what I've been to TJ Maxx multiple times. My wife loves the shop there. They have random things, random home things that are just like, it's like all the other stores in the world just like, here, take that. Take that, TJ Maxx. So they kind of have random stuff there. And so I'm there at TJ Maxx, and I had to laugh internally because all of a sudden, like I've been in the men's section of TJ Maxx a bunch, and like, there's, it's just me. Usually it's just me in that section. I looked around TJ Maxx, and there's all of these like mid-20s, come, like, through college, early adulthood, males just frantically looking for a good dress shirt for today's service. They're like, we gotta have an Easter shirt. I'm thinking, this is hilarious. Like, all of a sudden, everybody panics. Like, it's Easter, we have to have pink, or we have to have a pastel color, like this blue. And it just made me laugh, because, like, I could be here any other Sunday throughout the year, and there's nobody looking for a dress shirt. I don't, always, I don't wear a tie typically. It's Easter, so you just kind of have to. It's just, it's, You must. It's, it's, it's in the Bible somewhere. No, I'm kidding. It's not. It's not there. But what I'm getting at is, like, if we view Easter f- with, with the wrong framework, we will spend more time getting our Easter baskets and putting on our Easter bonnets. I think that used to be a thing. We'll get those things ready, we'll spend more time doing that than we actually do celebrating that we were once dead in our sins and now we've been raised with Christ. We'll spend more time looking for a good egg hunt than we do enjoying the presence of God and celebrating the work of the cross, celebrating the resurrection that finished it all for us. So the question I asked this morning is how do we live a resurrected life? I want to give you quick three things that show that we live a resurrected life. What does it mean to live a a resurrected life? Number one is a resurrected life has a restored relationship with God. If you understand the moment of resurrection, if you understand the importance of, of salvation, of what Christ has done, you know that your relationship with God is completely restored. Nothing separates us from the love of God now that we're in Christ. There is no separation. I can go before the Father. I can go before him with all my thanks, with all my praise, with all my fears, with all my worries, with all my insecurities, and say, God, here I am. What do you want to do with this? There's no separation. I don't have to go to a priest. I don't have to go and do sacrifices. I don't have to spend 40 days in repentance and, you know, sackcloth and ashes. That's an Old Testament thing, ripping my shirt and putting dirt on my head. I don't have to do that. My separation is no longer there. I'm completely united with Christ, completely united with the Father. A resurrected life is one that no longer sees separation with the Father. Number two is a resurrected life is not a slave to sin. We were once dead in our sins, and we've been raised to life in Christ. It doesn't mean we don't fall. It doesn't mean we don't have sin, but we're no longer held by the bondage and the slave, slavery of sin on us. We are free in Christ. Our lives should look drastically different after we received him than before that we received him. Amen. We should recognize we don't have to sin anymore. We don't need to fall into sin. There is a transformation, there is a, a changing that's taking place where the old man is dying and has been dead, and the new man is alive. That's what baptism is. When we do church baptism, it's not something that, okay, now you're baptized, you get a free ticket to heaven. It's us recognizing in a, in a public setting, saying, I'm no longer who I once was. I'm a new person in Christ. The old me is buried. The new me is alive and here. That's, why we, that's the beauty of baptism. It is a public declaration that I understand the cross, that I understand salvation, that I understand the work of Easter. I am alive in Christ. The resurrected life is not a slave to sin. And number three, the resurrected life has a mission to declare his salvation to the world. If you don't understand that you're on mission, that he has given us a mandate and a mission to proclaim the gospel, if you don't understand that and take that seriously, then I would say you don't understand a resurrected life. I would say you don't understand what it meant to be alive in Christ. There was a mission. The very end of Mark is the mission that we are sent on. See, with, with funerals or memorials, I said this earlier, the only change comes from memories or the absence of the one we lost. With the resurrection, the change comes from the mission we have and the presence of God in us. There's a difference. Easter is not a memorial service. This is not something we do annually to remember something. This is something we get together and celebrate what we live in, what we get to live every day. Easter is not a moment that we look back on, but an event that we live from. See, this morning, we didn't come here to anoint Jesus. We didn't come here to lay flowers at his feet. We came to celebrate the resurrected life that we have in him. We celebrate the work of the cross and the impact of resurrection, not just this morning, though. We do that as Christians, as believers, every Sunday corporately. And then every day of our lives we celebrate that by living on mission. I'm supposed to live on mission. My call, my mandate is to live on mission. If I'm not living on mission, if I'm not declaring the gospel, then I'm missing what I, what I'm called to do. I'm missing the point of a life in Christ. I get to live on mission every day. I get to experience his presence every day because I once was dead in my sins now I'm alive in him. I want us to be a church that gets the resurrected life. That we understand what does it mean to... We're not showing up remembering who Jesus was. We're showing up in everyday living with who Jesus is. I love that Jesus says that it's better for me to go so that I can send the Spirit. We live, if you're a Christian, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior if you've received him as your Lord, then the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. That's what Scripture says. He dwells inside of you. So the presence of God, there's no longer this, like, eternal separation up in heaven. Like, my kids get confused with this whole thing all the time. They're, they're, they're five and, and four. Haley's going to be six. Like, the idea that God's, God was, Jesus was dead, but Jesus is God, and he's in heaven, but he's in our hearts, like to a child this is weird but it's reality that he's God who sits on the throne but he's God who dwells in us he calls us the temple of the holy spirit there's there's no separation so what I, what I want to I want to make clear this morning is if you haven't received this if you haven't found Christ as your Savior. It's not just like a thing that you do once a year on a Sunday morning, but it's really saying, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to give me hope. I want you to give me joy, but I also want to serve you and love you and find prep in your presence. Knowing Christ, receiving Christ, is God dwelling inside of you and always being there. I shared this the other week that my wife and I, we've had a lot of fam- like family things. Her dad's been really sick. And the, one of the things that she said to me that through this whole process, I've never felt like God wasn't here. That is the hope, that is the joy, that is the experience of no longer being separated from a holy God, but being at one and united with an all-powerful, all-loving God. You, that is available to all of us. And this morning, if you haven't placed faith in Christ, I, I would love to talk to you. I would love to pray with you. Please, it's, it's really just saying, Christ, I need you as my Lord. I want to experience you. But if you have, I want to challenge you that you you recognize it's not just about something that happened long ago or a commitment that you made to Jesus long ago, but it's actually living the resurrected life. It's all three of those things that I said, lived out daily. This can't be something you just celebrate once a year, because then you'll be missing the point completely. There is a life in Christ that's waiting for all of us to experience. Let's experience that. Let's experience the resurrected life.